What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about our friends over at Illegal Pete's. Guys, the pandemic shot a lot of restaurants down, and Illegal Pete's was one of them, but they're back, and we're so pumped to be promoting them. And they have so many great things happening at all six Illegal Pete's locations. Guys, not only do they have fantastic food, you literally can't go wrong. My favorites are the fish tacos and, of course, the nachos. Get those chips on the side, and it just turns into like the best chips and cases. So, and a huge size that you have ever, ever had. They've also got a fantastic happy hour and their margs are to die for. You can't beat them. They've also got an amazing selection of beers. And of course, you can get a party marg too. And during happy hour, which is incredible, you get $1 off all drafts, $1 off house and coin style marks, $20 party marks, $1 off large chips and queso. And if you get a drink at the bar, you get free chips and salsa with it. They're doing that every day from 3 to 6 p.m. And guys, one of the things that I love about Illegal Pizza is they have fantastic patios at every single single location. It is such a great place to hang out, whether you're doing it at night to catch a game or just during the day. It is fantastic. They have games out there too. They have misters. It is amazing. I love it. I go there every single week. And another cool thing is they pay a living wage to all of their employees starting at $15 an hour plus tips. They give them free food on on shift, discounted when they're off duty, 401k match, PTO to all employees. So they really are a good company and treat their employees well. That's a company that I like to support. So make sure to check them out for delicious food. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Number one for the one and only DNVR. Two goes out to Zach Mace, RK, and the bar. Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case. Number four we're still waiting for. Well, bring on the chase. Couple with brick, brew and a friend bleed orange and blue to the bitter end. Come and join us, DDNVR. We are DNVR. Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday edition. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online, because MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom, which is so important so that you have the real life skills that you need once you graduate or once you're done taking that class. So make sure to check them out over at MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, what's going on? Oh, not much, Zach. It's a beautiful morning in the Mile High City. The sun is out. You can see the mountains off in the distance beyond the haze. It's a, it's a lovely day. It's another lovely day. And July is off to, July is off to a promising start. It is off it's to a promising training camp start. month, by the way. It is training camp month. By the end of this month, we're going to be talking about practices. We're going to be talking about the 50-50 comp- competition between True Lock and Teddy Bridgewater, unless something else comes up, as we're going to get into in this podcast. It's, yeah, it, the, the, you better better enjoy the time off right now, the downtime. I know you will. I know I am, because we're pretty close to things hitting fifth gear, just like that. 
Oh yeah. May's July is the best month in my opinion. Not only do you start it off with the 4th of July, which may be the best holiday, non-gift holiday, I should say. I still have that little kid in me that uh, just loves Christmas. But then, you know, by my girlfriend's birthday is this month. This is typically when we go on our trip, which we're doing this month, and then training camp. I mean, that's just the best combination of everything. You get a little vacation, you get Broncos football, you get the best holiday. It is fantastic. I'm so pumped for this month. Happy July and happy Canada day. It's July 1st. So it used to be called dominion day. Now it's Canada day. So if you're North the border, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy this day as well. And uh, to you Mets fans, happy Bobby Bonilla day, because he cashes his annual seven figure uh, deferred paycheck from the Mets today. That's it's July 1st and it goes on through 2035. So it's Canada day. It's Bobby Bonilla day. It's a good day. Yeah, I mean, boy, if I was cashing a a check of over a million dollars, that would definitely make July even better. (laughs) There's no doubt about that. But may something that could make July even better for Broncos fans is landing Aaron Rodgers. And that could certainly happen this month. And what's crazy, Mace, it could happen today. It could happen tomorrow because there is a reason why it would happen in the next 24 hours or so. And that's because the NFL's opt-out period for COVID this year is tomorrow at 2 p.m. Denver time. And so why does that mean anything for Aaron Rodgers? Well, Aaron Rodgers, instead of having to force retirement if he doesn't want to play for Green Bay this year or sit on the sideline and have to pay tons of money back to Green Bay, upwards of $30 million, he could opt out this year. And he could opt out. Now, he wouldn't get paid anything, and that's a little different from last year. Last year, players that opted out that weren't high risk uh, got a stipend of $150,000. That's nothing to Aaron Rodgers. But now this year, they don't get that. Okay whatever. But Aaron Rodgers, why he would do that is if he will not play for the Green Bay Packers anymore, he could say, fine, I'm just going to opt out this season. It defers my contract a year. I don't get anything this year, but most importantly for him, he doesn't have to pay back anything. And that would show the Green Bay Packers that he is 100% done with them. So of course the Broncos don't want Aaron Rodgers to opt out. They don't want Aaron Rodgers to not be playing this year because there's a chance that he could be playing for them. But what this deadline does is Aaron Rodgers can say to Green Bay, I'm going to opt out Friday at 2 p.m. if I'm not traded. And he can threaten that now. Doesn't mean that Green Bay has to trade him. They can say, fine, opt out and, and see if he's going to fold or not, or if he's going to actually do that. But also it could force Green Bay's hand into saying, boy, we can have Aaron Rodgers opt out this year and literally get nothing from him this year, get nothing in return, not get his play, or we could trade him before the deadline to opt out, which again is Friday at 2 p.m. and get something in return. Yeah, it'd be wild if he was traded by by then, or maybe there could be like an agreement or moving on down the road toward trade. But uh, it's interesting to kind of look at the uh, the details of this on, on cbssports.com Joel Corey an agent kind of gets into some of the things that are in play for Aaron Rodgers here in term in terms of the financials and uh, and how it would help me first of all if he opts out there's no pursuit of the signing bone of any portion of the signing bonus by the Packers they don't have a right to that at least for this year and actually right. according to Corey he's he can opt out and he can still get a $6.8 million roster bonus. 
Oh, how about that? Which, which is paid in equal installments for a 36-week uh, stretch once the season, the regular season begins. Packers well, couldn't touch that. Payday. Yeah, the Packers would still be obligated to pay that. So Rodgers could opt out and still have $6.8 million coming in. He wouldn't have his base salary. And, and, obvi- and, and then obviously the rest of it, like you said, it would kick forward to next year. But um, I mean, Mace, from a yeah. human perspective, that doesn't sound too bad. Get paid $6 million just to, just to hang out. And we know he likes traveling the world right now. Hey, that, that pays for a lot of trips to Hawaii, right? I mean, yes, it does. <laughs> But but the other the thing that also you get into is if he opts out, then basically it kicks the whole conversation in next year as far as far as his status. And if you kick Aaron Rodgers and the possibility of him moving on to next year, that will bring numerous other teams into the conversation. Mm, that's a good point. If you're the Broncos, you don't want him to opt out. If you're the Broncos and you and in your back of your mind, you want Aaron Rodgers, you don't want him to opt. You don't want him opting out. Right. No, you 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 don't want him opting out because that takes it brings more teams into the equation next year. Mace, it also mm-hmm. takes one year off how mm-hmm. many years he can play, which is precious right now. I mean, we're only talking about potentially a two to five year window. So right. then that goes down to a one to four year window and Aaron Rodgers is great, but Mace, if he takes an entire year off, it would be a little bit naive not to expect uh, a little bit of a learning curve and, and just a growth back into the season next year. So we're talking about potentially a slow start, kind of like Peyton and the Broncos had, and it wouldn't be a surprise to see them start a little cold next year, but then you're talking about, okay, maybe the real year that they're competing is 2023 if 2022 is his first season with the team Uh and so you just keep pushing this very small window back and back and back and then also if there's more teams involved mace how much more of a discount do you get for aaron Rodgers if you don't get that extra year the discount probably isn't going to be that much because there's more teams involved. So you may be giving up a similar amount for one less year of his services, which, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. And that's, and that's a kind of a key thing here that you're taking a year off, but if all of a sudden it goes from basically two teams being in the mix, I mean, I think right now it really, it's the Broncos, then it's a huge distance to the Raiders. And then you get to, say next April and this is, and Rogers has opted out and all of a sudden the conversation starts, including all those teams at the top of the draft that are searching for a quarterback. I mean, now Aaron Rogers effectively, he has kind of a no trade clause because he can just say, okay, I'm not going to go play for Philadelphia. And then Philadelphia wouldn't make that wouldn't make a deal for him, but just kind of, you start going through the possibilities of teams. Oh, that could be, in the mix for Aaron Rodgers, if you fast forward nine months to next spring, uh, you go, you have to take a look at Philadelphia. Like I mentioned, the New York giants, Washington. I mean, I just, I just basically named three teams in one division right there. Um, I doubt green Bay would trade him in the division, but if Minnesota has moved on from Kirk cousins, they would be a possibility. Yeah. Uh, No chance. uh, you, You start looking around new Orleans could be, could be in the mix. Um, you go to the, you, you go, uh, Miami could be in the mix if they decide Tua Tonka Vailoa is not uh, the man of the future for them. 
Denver, the Raiders, of course, like I'm like I mentioned, all of a sudden you've at Houston as messed up as they are could be in the conversation. If Indy doesn't get what it wants out of Carson Wentz, they're in the conversation. You start going down and saying, my goodness, this basically could go from two teams and one team really uh, not having uh, the ability to, to easily fit in Aaron Rodgers. And that's the Raiders to 10 to even 12 teams. And some of those teams being able to tell Green Bay, hey, we got a top five pick here. And if Jordan Love isn't the guy, you can pick Aaron Rodgers' replacement right here in the draft. And I think we all agree the Broncos aren't going to be picking in the top five, no matter how this season comes out. Or other teams saying, look, we have a Derek Carr to trade you. We have a franchise quarterback, just not a top five quarterback in the league, but we have a franchise quarterback we can trade you. Maybe Tua plays well this year, but the Dolphins really see a a Super Bowl window for them, and they can trade him to us, something like that. Now, Mace, I will play devil's advocate and look at this from the other side as well. If he opts out this year, one thing that it pretty much guarantees is that he is 100% done with Green Bay. And I'm not ready to say that he's 100% done with Green Bay right now if he doesn't opt out. I still think that there's an opportunity for those two sides to get things fixed. And I still see that there's a there, there's a real chance that he plays again with Green Bay this year. But if he opts out, then that eliminates Green Bay as being a place he will ever play again. And it really does make it where the Packers will trade him next year. And they will clearly have messed this up if they have to wait until next year to trade him and wait until next year to get anything in return. They will have messed up, but it guarantees that he will not be a Packer in 2022, where I still think there's a chance that he get that he can work things out. Now, do you agree with me? I get what you're saying, but I don't think he plays for Green Bay ever again, regardless of whether he opts out or not. Wow. I think he's just everything that I've I've pieced together is that he is he's done with Green Bay. Okay. Whether he opts out or not. So, so that's do you why think he, I don't think it makes a bunch of a difference. So do you think he opts out? No. So then when do you think he gets traded? Or do you think he doesn't get traded because you don't think he's ever going to play with Green Bay again? Do you think he sits out? And if he's going to sit yeah. out, why would he not just opt out? Because uh, because opting out basically closes the door on the entire year, and mm-hmm. I think he still wants to force his hand. And I think he still wants to. I think he wants to play this year. Just, you know, so just too. just because he has expressed a desire to play into his forties doesn't mean he wants to to nuke a year that's in his second prime, basically. Like, and we've seen this from a lot of great quarterbacks over the years that uh, and we're seeing it we, we saw it with Tom Brady we saw it with Peyton Manning here in Denver uh, you get those kind of prime years late 20s to around 30 and uh, then you get kind of a, a second prime in your mid to late 30s that that kicks in we're seeing that more and more with the great quarterbacks and as we saw with Drew Brees and Tom Brady that prime can kick into your 40s so mm-hmm. I don't think he wants to squander a year at this point in his career. Now that means, you know, he's going to play hardball. And if that's the case, I think a trade happens, but a trade happens. I'd say not until August at least, and maybe even lingering until the trade deadline at midseason. I mean, this, uh, this depends how ugly things get. It also sort of depends on uh, kind of where the Packers stand in, in terms of what they think of Jordan Love in their quarterback room for this year.
Mace, if Aaron Rodgers does not show up for training camp, this thing is going to get U-G-L-Y. It's going to get ugly. Just it's like not you ugly said. already? <laughs> it, well, it's going to get really bad because so far the only thing he's missed is mandatory mini camp, but then it's going to get really ugly and pretty public. And like, like I've said this whole time, I think things are going to become public. Aaron may say some public things. The Packers may start leaking or saying some pr- pretty bad public things. And just as we found out with the ownership situation with the Broncos, they don't want that to happen. So if he doesn't show up for training camp, this thing is going to be ugly. Just like you said, a way to make it not ugly opt out tomorrow. Now I don't think he ends up opting out tomorrow because it would just be kind of the easy road out. And I think Aaron Rodgers is a, is a competitor that doesn't want to do that. He wants to be fighting for legacy right now. He's already a hall of famer, but if he were to, just end right now well and and especially now miss a season when he was just an mvp that would really hurt his his legacy status so i don't think he wants to do that at all i don't think he opts out tomorrow i also don't think green bay trades him before the opt-out window tomorrow because they're going to call his bluff and i think that if they would have would trade him just because he threatened that well i think they would have traded him a couple of months ago so i i don't think anything happens but this is something that is only going to heat up as july heats up too oh yeah and it'll get hot it'll get hotter and hotter and then i think uh, like you said by the time camp comes this thing could be roasting here and 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 that's when and that is when the pressure starts i mean it's otas mini camp right now that's really nothing but when the other thing that happens uh in training camp is that for the first time the packers start doing things in front of fans and mm-hmm. uh, there, well some of the interesting moments uh, to watch here are going to be you know their practices up in green bay uh, i'm fascinated to see what comes out of the uh, annual shareholders gathering that the team has at uh, lambeau field every july because now you're going to get to a moment where if there is fan frustration, it becomes visible. Now we've seen like, for example, little bits and pieces that Aaron Rodgers' car ag is shown during a minor league baseball game in Appleton, Wisconsin, and people boo him. But it's different when you start getting to, let's say you get to practices and Jordan Love is a shaky day. And what's the, how are the fans going to react to that? No, I mean, are, are they are, happy? Yeah. I mean, you're going to have, you're going to have fans, but they're probably showing up, but some of them will still be wearing their Aaron Rodgers jerseys, perhaps mm-hmm. showing up for practicing and grumbling. And that's, and, and that's when as an organization, you start taking stock of things and maybe view things differently. If you start see, if you start actually seeing the public reaction, I mean, we see, for example, in you know just take denver and when frustration comes out in the form of uh, no shows at at game at games in late season that sort of thing when fan frustration uh, comes to things that are happening right there when it comes to open practices when it comes to game days uh the powers that be see that and that's when they start getting nervous and so if you, you start having practices and Jordan Love struggles and it doesn't appear that he's the answer right away. And you see public frustration start building and mounting. That's the sort of external pressure that could lead to an acceptance of the reality of the situation 
and Green Bay to make a deal that it would at least that would at least bring a veteran quarterback back in a trade. Yeah, and Mace, I think that there's one more part to this. If Aaron Rodgers does opt out, the Broncos, from an organizational standpoint, should just start Drew Locke this year and not, you know, say, great, we have Teddy Bridgewater as a backup. We're paying him $4 million this year. But you got to start Drew Locke this year because here's the thing. You have one year, and and you know that you're going to make a huge push for Aaron Rodgers next year if Drew Locke doesn't pan out. But if Drew Locke pans out and you find that this year and then you don't need Aaron Rodgers or you believe that, you know, that Drew Locke can be a seven-time pro bowler and that that's better over a 15-year span than getting Aaron Rodgers for maybe a one- to four-year window after next year, well, then that is fantastic. Now, if Drew Locke does not pan out, well, then you absolutely know, okay, he's had three years here. Last year was bad. This year, assuming he doesn't pan out, is bad. And then also, you're going to get yourself a pretty good darn draft pick. Now, maybe this Vic Fangio defense prevents you from getting a top pick, but top 10 pick can absolutely be there. Heck, it happened last year with this team. It just doesn't make sense to go the Teddy Bridgewater route and have the team be, you know, at worse six and ten seven and nine you might as well go all in because I don't think that Teddy Bridgewater is the future of this team there's still a chance Drew Locke is the future of this team so if you know that you have a good opportunity to get Aaron Rodgers next year and you're willing to go all out to make sure that you get him you know that he wants to play for you if you're going to make a big enough deal for him you might as well see what you have in Drew Locke and really have this just be a year. Now, one of the things that that does is it makes the question of, okay, well, what are you doing with Vic Fangio? Because this year is again about finding out who Drew Locke is. Does that mean Vic Fangio gets another pass? Are you automatically firing Vic after the season? Does it depend on how the defense does? Does it depend on how the team looks? Um, Because it probably doesn't come down to record then. So that's the only thing that throws this into limbo. But heck, I'm just saying, and, and I'm not like this, Mace, but in this circumstance, might as well start Drew. Yeah, I get what you're saying, and it, every word makes sense, but I don't think the Broncos would be thinking in those terms. I think they're. I thinking, don't think Vic would be thinking in those Vic's terms. Vic's not think thinking in right. those terms. I don't even think uh, George Payton is thinking in those terms as well. I think if Bridgewater's the better quarterback, it doesn't matter what the future needs are. They're going to start him. I also think not just with – Vic Fangio, but the organization in general, having a good season matters. Getting back to the playoffs, even if it means doing so with a quarterback who isn't in the long-term future, that matters after missing the postseason for the last, last five years. You talk about trying to build a culture. Well, they want to build a winning culture. And if, if Locke is the better quarterback, yes, then it's going to be clear. He'll start. And, and, and that's, and, and that's final. And then you go from there, but if Bridgewater is the better quarterback, um, I don't, I, even though it makes so much sense, kind of when you step back and kind of look at the, at the long-term picture, there is such urgency to win this year. And the moves that they made uh, on defense are clearly about helping this year. And even, you know, Javante Williams, uh, he's, you know, you pick a running back, you're hoping that the running back helps you right away. It would fly in the face of, of the things they've done to try to maximize this season. 
if Teddy Bridgewater were the better quarterback and they played Drew Locke. So yeah. I, I get what you're saying in a vacuum. I just don't think the Broncos are going in that direction direction if Bridgewater's better. And I don't think they would either, but Mace, I think every, and I'm not going to disagree with anything you said. I think you nailed it right on the head, but there's one thing that I have an issue with and it's not something that I think you said wrong. It's just something that I would have an issue with. And that is if George Payton isn't able to take a step back and say, I'm on a six-year contract. I need to do what's in the best interest of this team for six years, for 10 years, for the long term. I don't need to be focused on absolutely winning this year. If he's not able to do that, then that makes me really concerned. Now, I do think he would be able to do that, but especially at the quarterback position, if he's not able to do that and force a big decision on, on his head coaches, which I know he probably doesn't want to do, but if he thought that was the best interest of the organization was what I'm saying, just find out what, what who drew lock is because he's going to do everything to get Aaron Rodgers next year. If he opts out, then he needs to do that. He needs to not focus on this year. He's the one with the six year contract. Of course, Vic Fangio is going to be the one that says I need to win this year because I want to protect my job. I want to protect my coach's jobs, but I just really hope that George Payton isn't playing for just this year, but you do look at the moves that he's made this year, Mason, and, and they are, there's many, many win-now moves, so I don't disagree with you. I just hope that George Payton would be able to take a step back and say this is in the best interest of the Broncos long-term. Well, the other thing that also comes into play is, I think, ownership and everything going on there because if you aren't playing for this year, if you aren't playing to maximize this year, then what if a new owner comes in and just says, yeah, you know what? I'm going to clear cut and bring in my people because this team has missed the playoffs for six consecutive years. It's had five consecutive losing seasons. What are we clinging to around here? Whereas if you go 10 and seven or 11 and six with Teddy Bridgewater and you make the playoffs, uh, if indeed Teddy is the better quarterback during training camp, then if that happens, then an ownership change would make it would would certainly put things into peril, but it would also make it easier to rationalize that owner saying, yeah, I'm going to keep George Payton as my GM. I'm going to let him work, uh, work it out for a couple of years. I'm going to see what this guy has because he obviously pushed the right buttons to get this team from a perennial loser from four, for four years to one that was back in the playoffs. So there may be more urgency on George Payton than it seems just because of, of what is in play right now with the potential for a settlement and the potential for a sale. Yeah. And that, that's how it always works. It's, it's self-interest typically in organizations, you know, all the way around. Um, I just hope that George would be able to see it differently. And maybe here's the key trade for Aaron Rodgers right after the season before the team is sold. If the team isn't yet sold and Mace, that's something we didn't touch on yesterday was what the timeline for this could look like in terms of the Broncos sale. And I want to get to that, but first I've got to tell you about our friends over at ball because they're sponsoring us right now at DNVR. And I'm talking about ball. That is ball arena is in the aerospace technology company is in the world's largest aluminum can and 
packaging manufacturer. I mean, what do these guys not do over there? They're also the leading global sustainable. They've been leading global sustainability efforts for decades. In 2018 and 2019, Ball Aerospace developed image surveillance systems to observe natural resources from space and methane, ozone, even land and water use. Ball's aluminum stewardship initiative certification makes it a leader in the stewardship of, of aluminum while meeting the highest environmental, ethical, and social standards within their market value chain. In fact, by 2030, Ball aims to reduce operational carbon emissions by 55% and across their value chain by 16% from 2017 levels. And so Ball reached out to us because they need help here in Denver at their Golden Plant. They have floor manufacturing positions for production technicians and other roles available. But why, Zach? They need to make more cans. Mace, in 2020, just last year, Ball made over 101 billion cans. Try to wrap your head around that. 101 billion cans in one year. Heavens to Betsy, that's a lot of cans. So Ball is hiring production technicians to make even more aluminum beverage cans? Yes, they're adding line capacity to their 400-person plant here in Golden. The demand for sustainable aluminum beverage cans is greater than ever. And more than that, chances are if you've consumed a beverage in a can, it's been from a ball aluminum can. I mean, I know I have plenty of cans in my fridge right now that are absolutely ball. So right here in Golden, you can get a job. That's what ball is trying to do. They're trying to hire people right now. You can check it out at hashtag work at ball online. Apply for a position at the their aluminum can plant text golden g-o-l-d-e-n to 77222 or go to jobs.ball.com and search for golden it's an awesome company they've got an awesome mission and it's really cool all the sustainability efforts so if you want to work for them text golden to 77222 or jobs.ball.com and you know in some of those cans is some damn good beer Mm. because of course our friends over at breckenridge brew do a lot of damn good beer and a lot of it comes in cans. They brought you damn good beer, but you also want some food to go with that. So now we can deliver to you damn good beef. And that damn good beef from Hassel Cattle Company is so damn good that you can now get it at the DNVR bar. That's right. We couldn't resist p- putting this beef in the bar. You can come on down and build your own delicious Hassel Cattle Company Wagyu beef burger, add all the toppings you want, and enjoy our watch parties with the finest beef, but I think you're going to find that maybe you don't want to go overboard on the toppings because the beef is so good, so flavorful. Just get a slice of tomato, slice of lettuce, slice of onion, maybe a little drizzle of ketchup and mustard and cheese if you want it, and that's going to be an amazing burger you can get at the DMVR bar. Hassle Cattle Company, it's the best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Fourth-generation cow farm out of Texas. They ship all over the USA and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. They offer smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, franks with no fillers, and two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. They also offer flank steaks, and they've got a deal for you right now. Buy three, get one free of flank steaks. These are lean and very flavorful. They should be thinly sliced against the grain when carving, and they're an ideal choice if you're looking to marinate Carne asada is perfect with these flank steaks as well, and they're super affordable, $9.99. And now you can buy three and get one free. Use the code DNBRFLANK at checkout. That's D-N-B-R-F-L-A-N-K at checkout for your buy three, get one free deal. And don't forget, of course, about using that magical code DNBR10 to get 10% off your entire order. That's DNBR10 for 10% off. And if you get your order at $200, you're going to get free 
shipping, which is like getting another 15 or 20% off. So check out Hassel Cattle Company, and we promise you will not be disappointed. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. Something else I promise you won't be disappointed is our coverage over at thednvr.com. We've got every single sport here in Colorado covered for you. And on top of that, you get to support us when you join our family. You get to leave comments on this pod. You get access to the members-only Discord, which is like a positive Twitter where you get to interact with people about really anything in life, sports or anything else that's going on. It's an awesome community over there. You get to join our community. You get the member be at the bar, which is a 22 ounce beer for the price of a 16 ounce beer. Just ask for the member beer when you're there. If you're a member with us, you get that for every single delicious Breck brew you have at the bar. You also get a free t-shirt when you become an annual member. And that pretty much pays for half of it right there. You get to pick your shirt too. We have so many cool shirts and they're also so comfortable. So we would love it if you became a member. And when you do, make sure to drop us a comment in the comment section. Say hello because we love hearing from you. All right, Mace. One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about before we jump into the comment section was the timeline for the Broncos being sold because right now we know that the trial is vacated. And so we're just kind of in a holding period about what's going on. We think that there's a settlement in place, but we don't know that officially yet. So where do we think this is going? Well, we, we think this is going to, to be to lead to a sale of the team, but when, when would this happen? Are we talking before this year starts? Are we talking sometime during the season? Are we talking next year? Are we talking years down the road? I would say that there are two possibilities and uh, one possibility that's interesting is uh, if uh, they could kind of work out something almost temporary and say, all right, uh, you know, we're going to kind of keep things as is. And maybe uh, Brittany Bowen is in charge uh, for a couple of years and see where the value goes because of uh, uh, because of the uh, legalized gambling and what it could mean for the value of franchises. But that's a remote possibility because the league really wants resolution on this. And there's a reason why uh, they put a $10 million fine on teams uh, that don't designate a, a partner. And, and the league wants this kind of finalized. So I'd say that's So Mace, re- really quick, exp- explain what this situation could look like. Would it remain where there's trustees and Joe Ellis is still the president or, or maybe not Joe, but you still have a president? Or is this kind of somehow the trust naming Brittany Bolin the majority owner? It could be the siblings agreeing that uh, Brittany Bowen is the majority owner for like a set period of time. And maybe mm-hmm. that set period isn't kind of, uh, isn't publicized, but again, just to see where the val- value goes, sure. but the league wanting a resolution on this, I think uh, that the chances of that happening are pretty remote. And so if it goes to a sale, first of all, I don't think we would get an announcement on a sale on, on the team being up for sale for uh, for probably a, a couple of months here. I don't think it would happen just yet. I don't think it would happen in July or even August. And and then you are talking about months before everything is finally approved. Uh, let's just take a look, for example, at the Carolina Panthers timeline back in 2017 after all the. Uh, all the reports of Jerry Richardson as the team team's owner uh, having sexual harassment, racism, et cetera, uh, being in play. It was announced on December 17th of 2017, the team we, we put up for sale after the season, there was an agreement for the sale by May 15th. So basically went up for sale immediately after the 2017 season. And then 
about a little over four months later, there was an agreement for the sale and then it was closed and approved about a month and a half later. So basically from announcement to sale closing, it was six months. When uh, it happened with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1995, it was, it was a more compressed timeline. The team was put up for sale in November. It was sold in January. It was approved in March. I think we would probably see it look more like the Panthers. And that was a pretty kind of clean cut and dry sale. You had David Tepper, who was a minority owner of the Steelers. People knew him. He'd been vetted. And yet that process still took six months. So I think we could be looking at a process that maybe takes a little, maybe takes a little more than six months. Uh, maybe perhaps if the team is put up for sale, perhaps say late August, early September, we're talking about uh, the sale being approved at the owners meetings next March, or maybe even the spring meetings that follow that in May. Yeah, he, here's exactly what I think. I think you take the timeline of the Panthers where they were officially sold in, mm -hmm. in March. Is that right? It was agreed to in January, you said? It was, it was agreed to in May, and it in was May. closed and approved on June 28th of 2018. I think we could be looking at a very similar timeline is that whereas you said that this that their sale process started in November, you just start that mm -hmm. in July or August for the Broncos. And then I think the timeline could be very similar. I think we're looking about one year out, Mason. I, I really put the the deadline for this thing being done at the start of the 22 2022 season i think the broncos have a new owner and everything is done everything is signed and it is official by then it's going to be a slow moving process do not expect the broncos to have a new owner by september of this year that's just not going to happen it's going to be a slow process and that's okay because mace the broncos aren't in a crazy rush to get this sold i don't think the league is going to be pressuring them to take an all cash sale to make this happen right away uh that that's not something that's going to happen like it did with carolina because while the broncos aren't in a great situation with their ownership they're not in a in a one where the the league is going to say you have to get out of this position as soon as possible like they were with david Pep tepper with the carolina panthers so this is something that probably in the spring in fact of next year is when I think this thing becomes finalized by the league and by the owners. So we're talking about less than a year away. I think the Denver Broncos have a new owner. Yeah. I, I think uh, it's just, I think it's just a determination of when, when they actually put the team on the market. And like you said, they're going to have to vet. And when you're talking about the price tag and this thing going to four, maybe even $5 million, uh, depending on how things go, even owners that, potential owners that are uber wealthy, they still have to take some time to come up with the cash unless it's a straight up cash buy. And how many people could afford a four or $5 billion cash buy? You have to, you have to cash out on some things. You have to you know, take out some loans, perhaps uh, whatever against the value of, of what you, of your assets, whatever. So getting all those things in places takes time. If you're dealing with a new pool of potential owners, they all have to be vetted by the league. That too is going to take time as, as well. And so, I mean, the, the Panthers really kind of six months, that was a, and that was a clean purchase six months to actually being closed. And then about, and then four and a half months to having David Tepper in place as the, uh, as the potential owner that's probably kind of on the, on the quick end. Now, maybe things work a little bit faster if 
the timing of it is okay we have a potential owner in in february and we're going to sit down we're going to talk about this at the league meetings in late march and get gets approved then but all that's all these are variables that could sort of hold things up a little bit now that being said you, there isn't a rush and the 10 million dollar fine for not having a managing partner among shareholders that doesn't and basically that's kind of the deadline on the on the trust and on Joe Ellis that doesn't kick in until next year so all so that's something in play the other thing i think also comes into play in this and this is also something to consider on the, on the timeline is uh, the health of uh, of Annabelle Boland, who of course is dealing with Alzheimer's disease right now. And uh, if she passes at some point, uh, what does that mean for the Boland children and assuming their inheritance and their share of the team? And what does that mean for estate tax as well? And how and how soon is the bill due on that? So that's something that could also impact the timeline. And also Joe Ellis last year or this year, he said that he wants to be done when his contract expires in March or April of next year. So that's something where he's going to take his time to find the right owner of the Broncos. But this thing has already been dragged on long enough and he knows that and he's part of the trust. He's the president of the Broncos, the CEO, so he can control this timeline. So he's going to do a good job making sure all the vetting is done, but he's not going to drag this process out any longer than it needs to be. So this is something where really, I mean, I would be surprised by next summer if this thing isn't done or at least extremely close to being done because there's just so many things that point to this yeah. thing really has to be done before the start of the 2022 season. What's interesting, Mace, is we put up our pod poll yesterday on the DNVR Broncos account, and it was, do you think the Broncos will be sold within the next year? So pretty much this timeline we're talking about, 58% of people said yes. 42% of people said no. So either a lot of people believe that this is going to be something that's dragged out the sale of the team or that the team is handed down to Brittany Bolin. What's a timeline for that? Let's say this settlement goes in a direction that, that neither you or I think it's going to go. And let's say there is a, a case or chance for Brittany Bolin to become the managing owner of this team. What's a timeline look for that? I think the reins be handed to her sometime in the first, uh, first four months of 2022. Whew. And the reins being you're the owner. Yeah, you're the managing partner. But of course, that requires all the Bowen siblings getting on the same page. Right. And, and because Joe Ellis has cited that as as the stipulation for giving the team to Brittany Bowen as the managing partner. And I, what evidence have we seen that all the siblings are on the same page regarding that? Zero. None. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't seem like that's changed. So no, no, this, it's the, the, it certainly does yeah. not. And Mace, just depending on when that would happen next year, mm -hmm. she would be 32 years old, which would be incredible. It would be awesome to get a woman owner in the NFL. It'd be awesome to get a young owner in the NFL. I mean, talk about just, just shattering glass ceilings left and right. And for the Broncos to do that would be so cool. But like you said, it's really hard to think that that would happen because of what Joe Ellis said needs to happen and what we have not seen happen from the family. So that's why you and I both believe that this thing is going to be a sale and something that really heats up soon. Yeah. Now she would, she would be a, a, the youngest female owner, uh, but 
we, we already have female owners. So like, you know, Kim Pagula is a co-owner in Buffalo, Virginia McCaskey a co is the owner in Chicago in Detroit. They had Martha Firestone Ford and Sheila Fordham. And then you'd have a, and, and then you'd have a Brittany Bowen as well. And Gail Benson owns the team down in new Orleans as well. So you wouldn't, so and I, I can't forget also Amy Adams Strunk in Tennessee as well. So she wouldn't be the first female owner, but she would be the first female owner who you could look at and say, wow, she could be in charge for four or five decades here if this thing works out. Yeah. This got like a real long haul female mm-hmm. owner. Yeah, exactly. Which, which would be pretty cool. But like, like I said, I don't think that it's something that's really going to happen. Uh, and Mace, it's crazy that in this month, we could see the Broncos get Aaron Rodgers and we could see the Broncos go for sale or really in the next couple of months, those things could happen. Broncos could be sold. Broncos could get Aaron Rodgers one or the other. It's crazy. It's, it's a crazy time in Broncos country. And uh, if things are a little crazy, maybe you need to relax and perhaps you can relax with some Strava craft coffee. And you know how much we love you, but you've been letting us down. Yep, we said it. Our longest, most loyal partner to date, Strava Craft Coffee, has not felt the love lately. So we need to change that. And Strava is offering a new code to everyone. You know about the DNVR20 code. Well, now it's DNVR25 to save 25% off your first purchase. Not only do we love what Strava tastes like, and we pretty much run off of coffee, but it's also CBD infused and helps with so many ailments. It's different for everyone. Check out their reviews and you'll be blown away with people's stories about how Strava has, have helped, has helped them. They deliver straight to your door, and you can also subscribe and get 20% off every purchase for life. So head on over to StravaCoffee.com today, pardon me, StravaCoffee.com, and try their delicious CBD-infused coffee and use that code DMVR25 at checkout. And if you subscribe, you get 20% off for life. They'll deliver however however often you need it, two, four, six, eight weeks. You'll get 20% off every time. And if you want to try Strava's cold brew. You're in the area. Come on down to the DMVR bar. We got that cold brew on tap and you won't be disappointed. Check out Strava craft coffee. And remember 20% off. If you subscribe 20% off every purchase. And for the one time code of 25 DMVR 25, you get 25% off. Well, that's a great deal, Mason. I've got another great deal for you. It's checking out our friends over at green mountain natural. And here's the scoop with them. You schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's right. I mean, that pays for itself right there. Sonicare toothbrush. It's what I use. It's what Mace uses. It's the best toothbrush out there. It, it, it just, it's pretty much like you're at the dentist when you're not at the dentist. And so you can go to the dentist and get that by just scheduling a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll get that free Sonicare toothbrush. But of course, there's more reasons to go check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. They're part of the DNVR family. They're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. They will treat you like family. Of course, we have a lot of people at DNVR that go there, and their experiences are that they are treated just like family. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver, and they are a longtime partner of us, so supporting them is supporting us. We'd really appreciate it if you went over to Green Mountain Dental. And of course, get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush by scheduling a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also check out our friends over at Solace Meds, a premier dispensary in Colorado with some hot deals to offer for this month of July. They've had deals in June. Now we're kicking into July. It's getting hotter. 
and Solace Meds has some hot deals. They got four convenient Colorado locations in Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, and then one just blocks away on East from the DMVR bar on East Colfax. Here are some deals they've got going on right now. 15% off all gold shelf concentrates, 20% off all guana tinctures and tarts, 20% off Mountain Select rosin and cartridges, 25% off all Blues Brothers joint packs, 25% off Canna gummies, 20% off Keith Cola products, 25% off Dixie products. Ooh, lordy. They're also doing weekly vendor pop-ups throughout the summer. If you go to their Wheat Ridge location, you can also get a free Solace Bar King Cone when you mention the code as well. That's DNBR20. You'll get 20% off and get a free Solace Bar King Cone. Don't forget to use that code DNBR20 and use it this way. You head on over to their website, view their menu, order online, and pick up at your convenience. Just go to solacemeds.com, S-O-L-A-C-E, meds.com. Put in that code DNVR20, get 20% off, purchase from there, and then go to your nearest location to pick up your products. It's that easy. They make your cannabis shopping experience a delight. So check out Solace Meds, S-O-L-A-C-E, meds.com, with four locations in Colorado. And Mace, let's hop into the comment section and talk to the people. First comment coming in from Coach Tobin. He says, Zach, RK, and Mace, you obtain some of my wealth and can buy the Broncos. What's the first big decision or move you are making? Ooh. Well, Coach Tobin says, aside from trading for Aaron Rodgers, I'm changing the uniform and sending the offensive coordinator to the surface of the sun. Oh, wow. Rough. So you're going to be a very, very hands-on owner, Coach Tobin, because you're not even going to let the head coach make that decision. Well, the John Elway trade was was made by Edgar Kaiser. Yeah, that worked out. With Bob Ursay. I mean, sometimes uh, these things are... uh, Require a hands-on touch, I guess you could How say. often do you think owners fire um, coaches that aren't the head coach? Oh. Like position Probably. coaches or coordinators. Do you think that yeah, happens often? That doesn't happen often. Usually the head coach is the one firing the coordinator. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. But, hey, yeah. I mean, you're the owner. You can do it, Coach Tobin. Yeah, and everyone ultimately serves at the pleasure of the owner. I agree with you, Coach Tobin, though. Like the first thing I one of the first things I announced is that they're changing the uniforms. And I'm not announcing what That's the changes what are just doing. yet, but <laughs> I'm saying we are going to change the uniforms and we're going to go to a more timeless and classic look. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. I, I'm doing uh I'm getting Aaron Rodgers first and foremost. If that well, is off the table, I am uh, doing some internal stuff to make sure that the priority, the right priority is put on the quarterback position so that we don't have this case Keenum, Joe Flacco, yeah. 20th overall draft pick to draft Paxton Lynch on a quarterback second round pick on drew lock and nothing against those guys, but just the investments that were there, they shouldn't have worked out a, a second round quarterback. Shouldn't work out a, a, a quarterback in the twenties. Shouldn't work out trading a fourth round pick for, for Joe Flacco. Shouldn't work out. None of those were surprises in hindsight that they didn't work out. So I'm making sure that George Payton is ready to not just draft a quarterback in the top 10, but that George Payton is ready to, if he identifies his guy trade up and do it, not be afraid. So that that's the first thing that I'm making sure is done. And then kind of like we talk about Mace, 
I do think it's important, and this is something that George Payton, I think, has done a great job at, and I think it's important for an owner as well, and it's something that we talk about with David Tepper. I think it's kind of important to come in and just see how things are run. You know, you can you can blow everything up. Why don't you just wait a year? Because there's going to be good people in the organization. See who the good ones are. See who the bad ones aren't. See who you want in your team. And then blow it up and bring your guys in in a year or two. So really, in terms of huge like decisions within the organization, probably not doing much at first outside of getting the quarterback. And, you know, it would be time to, to change some uniforms around. See, I'm doing the easy decisions first. Like Aaron Rodgers relies on the Packers agreeing. So that's why you can't come in and say my first act is a trade for Aaron Rodgers. No, you got you to gotta work that that's out. That's my first, first act. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. It's not that easy. <laughs> So like, cause that might take some negotiations, some back and forth, but on the first day I can say, Hey, uh, we're going to put in the, we're going to put in the request with the NFL to change the uniforms for the 2022 season. And so that's an easy thing to do right away. And then I'm with you. I would, I would sit back and I would watch the organization work for a bit. I would not come in and clear cut and fire people. I would, I just, I just sit, I'd meet with people. I'd learn about what goes on. I'd try to get a feel for what's right about the organization, what's wrong with the organization. And then bit by bit, I would start kind of making the moves to put my own stamp on, on areas where I think things could be done better. And, and that's where, you know, you mentioned David Tepper in Carolina. There were only a few moves right when he came in and they were on the business side of things. He let football kind of do its thing for a little while. He, he sat back and observed, and then we didn't start seeing big moves on the football side until Ron Rivera was dismissed during the 2019 season. And that's when the changes started to come. And I think that was, and I think it was wise for him to kind of sit back, give the people who were there a fair shot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you, Mace. All right, next one coming in from the count. So it's for you, Mace. Yep. Count Locula says on September 15th, 1996, the Broncos narrowly beat Mace's Bucks 27-23. Elway was mortal that day, but Tyrone Braxton was not. His pick six proved to be the difference in the game. He's an underrated Bronco. Am I wrong? Love the count. You're not wrong. I mean, he was a corner. He was a safety. Yeah. Did everything in the secondary over the course of his time with the Broncos. He's he, he's he's one of those guys who's been a little bit forgotten, but he was a really good player. Ask ask Steve Atwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve Atwater's uh, Steve Atwater's right hand man uh, mm-hmm. for for a long time, and uh, also a Pro Bowler. And really a a true Bronco only wasn't a Bronco for one year in the middle of his career, which is just such a funny thing to do to, to leave a team, then come back after just a one year stint away. Uh, He, he's a, he's a great Bronco through and through. Yeah, he is no question. And uh, yeah, probably a a guy who's, if if the ring of fame was bigger, I think he'd be a candidate. Like if they, I think so too. If it was like Kansas city or what the San Diego chargers had, I think he would be a ring of famer. Kansas City, right, Mace. Kansas City literally inducts somebody every year, no matter what. That's their thing. How about that? That's, yeah. I mean, if you have the what's space wrong? and you can make space for it, why not yeah. just have your family be bigger? Yeah, what's wrong with that? I, I kind of agree with that perspective on it. 
Next one coming in from Melbourne Bronco. Hi, guys. Loved yesterday's pod. I have to agree with RK regarding stadium locations. City stadiums are the best. Back in the 1970s, the AFL, Australian Football League, built the stadium around 45 miles from the CBD. It was cold, windy, and way too big. Capacity 90,000. It ceased to be used in 2000. A new stadium was built in the Docklands area of the CBD. A boutique stadium with a retractable roof with bars and nightclub, movable seating for concerts etc. In Melbourne, we have two stadiums shared by nine teams. Both are walking distance from the CBD. It just works. I imagine also a pretty robust public transit system as well that helps out. And also, if you have two stadiums shared by nine teams, that's a pretty high frequency of events. Right. So you're not talking about like in the NFL where literally it's just 10 home games. Right. So you're so are you advocating that the stadium would be cheaper it put out in the burbs and that's the reason uh, a big reason to do it is because it's only being used 10 times well part of it is that and part of it as well as just putting all the headquarters in one play, place and then just develop developing that controlling the area around it as well and and then i think frankly the assuming the broncos would get a share of this the land in the city would be better would be better used literally by building a neighborhood so I, I just, I, I think it's just a better use. I think it's just a better use of resources all around. If uh, the stadium is, if a football stadium is out a little bit and that area near downtown has a, a little bit more robust use, because right now uh, you just have a stadium and that's it. It's just, you have all this land near downtown on the other side of the highway from downtown. And it just sits there most of the year. It seems like a waste to me. Well, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the space around it right yeah. now. They're supposed to be putting a little, uh, you know, a little bar district, a little living district there. It's going to be interesting to see if that's going to keep the stadium there or if that's going to kind of push the stadium out because they're going to say, okay, yeah, this other stuff is more important for the city. Let's move this thing out. Let's build a bar stadium out by the airport. Let's build even some housing around it. And uh, that's kind of what I understand Foxborough is like. It's kind of just in the middle of nowhere. Gillette stadium has a little bar area around it, but really just kind of in the boonies. It's in the boonies, but uh, the, suburbia is kind of caught up with it as well and so it's pretty it's a pretty robust development out there and uh you wonder if that you wonder if that's the direction the broncos would want to go especially if they have new ownership or if they could they could sufficiently develop the area that they have now the thing is to develop the area around that stadium it would really kind of first of all you have to probably think about a new stadium in 10 or 15 years but also you got to think about parking. So everything would have to be done with making sure that you had enough parking garages around there. And how do you do that in in an attractive way for, for the neighborhood? I mean, there, there are things that you'd have to consider now. That's where, for example, um, what, uh, what was done in Atlanta with the Braves where they have that district around the stadium and they have all these parking garages and set places for people to park and all that, that may be something to take a look at if you're talking about developing on a parcel of land that on the parcel of land that it's currently there. Right. Right. And yeah, I mean, I just think from a fan perspective, probably the stadium in the city is going to win from a business perspective. Mesa, I do think uh, maybe even a practicality standpoint, especially from the business side, moving it out makes sense. And I do think that that's what happens someday, even if fans don't want it. Yep. Mark it snatch. Hey guys, we have finally arrived at the end who's the one Denver Bronco that you absolutely adore, but would have loathed 
had they never donned the orange and blue. Wow. This is a good one. Mace, who jumps to your mind? Well, I'm going to answer that question for the Bucks, and I'm going to say Warren Sapp. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. Okay, how about how about this one? Akib Tlaib, mm. a guy that was always pushing the line, sometimes going over the line, and he was an easy guy to get under other teams' skin. And as a fan, he could easily get under opposing teams' skin. But when he's on your team, you love the tenacity. You love the attitude. You love how he's pushing the line. And you do need those dogs on your team, like Akib called himself. And that's what the Broncos needed, and that's what fans loved. But if that's on the other side, you absolutely hate it. Yeah, I'd also say Chris Harris Jr. is kind of in that same ballpark. Yeah. When he made a play, he could be kind of demonstrative. And I could see how that would tick off fans of other teams. But if he's your guy, you love it. Oh, and in interviews, he's not afraid to, uh, you know, say how bad the other team is or throw guys under the bus on the other team or something like that. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. LDJ. Sorry, guys, but I seriously heard someone defend Pat Shermer and I threw up in my mouth. Dude, if it wasn't for Drew's need of continuity, that guy should be fired. If he can't improve this offense, fire him before the season is over. Like, didn't Teddy Bridgewater go 7-1 and one or 8-0 no when Drees went down? You telling me this roster isn't as talented as that Saints roster was with Teddy? Or look, I, I'm not an OC at all by any means, but I watched a ton of film and Drew is, if Drew is who you're running with and you want to be successful as possible, you have to leave go routes and deep routes for Cortland and Tim Patrick. Drew is insanely accurate on those throws. He depends on someone who can go get to protect him. You have to use Judy in the slot. Drew loves the levels, plays, and quick slants for a quick drag. He was pretty effective with that with KJ. Use your tight end for screen passes and quick outs, but Drew isn't good throwing up the seam, unfortunately. But if you get on the tight ends on some quick outs and get Drew moving on play action, he'll be above exceptional. Stop letting him sit in the pocket to chuck it deep when he's not processing plays long enough to get the ball that deep. I don't know. I feel like Shermer has all this talent, no idea to do with it, what to do with it. It's frustrating to watch shake my head. Man, I mean, LDJ thinks that Drew Locke is above exceptional, and that's how much Pat Shermer is holding him back. Holy cow. I think there's maybe some middle ground there between those two. I I think, uh, you know, there's some blame on both sides there. But uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's no question, Mace, that that Pat Shermer's on the hot seat. And would it be a shock to see him be uh, let go before the season is over if this offense struggles and, and Vic is just looking for something to, you know, someone to blame or something to change to get this thing back on track? No, it wouldn't be shocking. Would it be shocking if he's not here in 2022? No, it wouldn't be shocking. If this thing goes like it did last year, there's going to be a huge overhaul, including Pat Shermer. Yeah, sure, will be the least of the overhaul if this thing goes sideways this year Seriously. To, to a pretty high degree. And uh, the one thing, though, that I, I will say is that Drew did think Drew was better when things were kind of simplified and distilled down to a level that kind of cut that uh, kind of cut down part of the field, allowed him to kind of just read one half of the field when he rolled out. We saw more of that down the stretch. But does that make him a better quarterback long-term? That's a big thing for him to evolve and develop and be a viable long-term quarterback. He's got to be able to drop back, see the entire field go through his progressions. And so if you don't have him working to get better at that, is he growing as a quarterback and as somebody who's a viable long-term option? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. And Mace, last one coming in from super Bowling. 
The side eye look I got from my girlfriend and I was screaming, Ashburn, the town is called Ashburn, was quite unsettling. I actually only recently moved from Ashburn to Alexandria, about five minutes from beautiful Old Town. The Washington football team did have a practice facility here, but they don't use it much anymore. I remember the fun summer nights when they have their off season. I worked as a pizza delivery boy, kind of like the one from Futurama. The number of players that would order trash food from us was unsettling. Like, dude, you're trying to make the team as an undrafted rookie, and this is the fuel you're putting into your body? The Washington football team would house their rookie players and tryouts in probably the worst hotel in Ashburg, too. Kind of speaks volumes. Ashburn used to be the place where you could catch Coach Shanahan down at the bar randomly, which I personally saw him the night before drafting RG3 and what appeared to be the other coaches drinking the pain away or see players out more often than you'd expect. Bleep! For crying out loud, Sean Alexander was my best friend's neighbor, but it is sadly no longer flushed with NFL talent. It is now home to more data centers than I can count. Fun fact, more than half of the country's data passes through the data centers here. That is a fun fact. Crazy how small the world is. Sorry for the long comment, but it's one of the benefits of being a lifetime member. It's in the fine print. Trust no need. Trust me, no need to look. Love you, Super Bowl, and love your comments. And uh, that's some pretty fun insight. And those things you said aren't just true about the Washington football team's players. They're true about a lot of professional athletes. And yeah, it is. It is crazy. Just that you know, fried food is served in uh, in team facilities and stuff like that. Yeah, it's incredible. I still recall uh, with fondness the Friday lunches over at Broncos HQ that consisted of this incredibly greasy pizza and, and boxes of Popeye's fried chicken, coleslaw, <laughs> red beans and rice, Cajun fries, the whole nine yards. Oh yeah. I, and I remember just a couple of years ago, the, uh, the dog house, the offensive lineman, the rookie offensive lineman would have to go pick up like a ridiculous amount of food from this awesome restaurant called the dog house, yeah. just a couple blocks away from the facility. And, you know, it is just fries. It is burgers with, you know, tens, 10 pounds of cheese on them. It is delicious bratwurst and, and, you know, Hawaiian buns, which are delicious, but not the most healthy thing for you. And they're doing this Friday before the game. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and it's one thing when the players do it, cause they'll do that often, but when the team does, it's hilarious when the team would bring it in, like those Friday lunches kind of, they weren't always Popeye's, but they persisted as recently as 2015, you'd have, you know, Freddy's brought in for lunch. Uh, mm-hmm. when there was a pasta Jays location down in Lone Tree, they, some, they had pasta Jays brought in uh, for a while. Uh, that's gone away since then, but, uh, there were plenty of instances of putting, uh, as Von Miller might say, regular gas in the Ferrari. Yeah, that's something that I definitely thought about when reading Super Bowl's Bolin's comment was just Von Miller, you know, and just putting the the regular gas in a Ferrari. Maybe this is something that teams and some players need to learn about. And if they want to learn about it, they can learn about it over from our friends at MSU Denver Online. Of course, a presenting presenting sponsor of this podcast, where they are the new urban online university with learning outcomes equivalent to face-to-face courses, which is unheard of at other universities, but MSU 
delivers. They have great gen ed stop by real people, great completion options, full programs, and the virtual services to keep you healthy and happy on your way to graduation. They're the preeminent online university in the Rocky Mountain region. And whether you're online or on campus, it's all the same to them. Their students do just as well in their online courses as they do in person, which means you get the same degree while continuing to live your life. And Mace, I have really enjoyed this podcast. Really like that we got to talk about multiple subjects here and some great comments as well. So everyone tune in and thank you so much. We really appreciate you. We're going to be on Three Ring Circus new time tomorrow, 9 a.m. Denver time. So make sure to tune in. We have an awesome guest. It's going to be a blast, maybe off the chains just like last week. So make sure to tune in. But for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Thank you much, so much for listening. Have a terrific Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the DNBR Broncos podcast. Take you back.